Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, your weekly roundup of all that's important in the hotel investment space, brought to you as usual by the tag team that is on my left. Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst. Uh, the first topic we are going to talk about this week is that there seems to be no end in sight to the investor appetite for real estate in general and uh, hotels in particular. Uh, there's been the latest roundup of investor sentiment, institutional investor sentiment from the investor bodies InRev, ANREV and PREA. They do an annual roundup, take the temperature that's, of... That's great acronym bingo there. Chris. Yes, so I'm not going to try and uh, announce them all out. They are far too lengthy and complicated for me to be sure I could get them right. Anyway, they have decided that uh, by totting up all of the investor intentions uh, they have on the table, they reckon that institutional investors are going to plan to put at least 68 billion euros into real estate this year. And more than half, more than half of that will come from European investors. Uh, the interesting things they've also found from uh, speaking to that investor crowd is that there seems to be an increased appetite for looking at, away from kind of core and looking for value add and perhaps uh, alternative uh, options. Uh, that kind of sounds logical because let's face it, retail and uh, office. Uh, probably not in a very good space at the moment um industrial has done very well out of lockdowns and us all buying more things online but uh, certainly if you've if you own a shopping center or you own office space right now you're probably not looking uh, at, a, at a brilliant immediate future so uh no end in sight to uh, property as being an asset class that, that these investors want to be a part of and no end in sight it would seem to the uh, wall of money looking for real estate to purchase and um, if we kind of hone down a bit into the hotel sector it's certainly something we are seeing if you look a bit closer Savills gave us some numbers this year of uh, what went on in the UK market where they reckon over four billion of uh, hotel assets were were traded last year and we've also been having a catch-up from uh, Christie's with their annual review who uh, had a very busy year. They managed to close over 110 hotel deals during 2021, and they reckon this year will be busier again. Uh, so no end in sight. Uh, I suppose that means, means that there's going to be uh, continuing pressure on yields. Uh, and I, I think also it means that uh, no one's going to pick up a bargain. Both things absolutely right, Chris. I think th those are the themes we've, we've got is um, there's a, huge wall of money uh, we've been talking about this for years now um and um it, it you know and, and covid or no covid um th this wall of money was coming and it hasn't been deterred by covid and how difficult trading has been by uh throughout but you know through the hospitality sector and and other operational real estate sectors during covid because they see a strong recovery ahead so that there there is a wall of money this is further evidence of that wall of money and as you talk about yields you've got to move up the risk curve this there is not going to be the opportunity to snap up bargains here now as we went to press with this story um l plus r hotels and uh, dutch pension fund pggm they announced a, a hotel venture uh with one billion of euros um in a firepower sort of 500 million euros worth of equity and uh, further leveraging up to get that one billion um 
and this is headed it's a vehicle called lro hospitality headed by the former ceo of accor invest john ozinga um and he's saying there's you know what there is because of covid there are um, opportunities um, to acquire investors or operators facing cash flow challenges at the same time it's acknowledged by um, the, this duo that um, that that there is huge appetite for the European hospitality sector as a institutional asset class to quote to Desmond Talliard um, despite the the negative short-term impact of the Covid crisis and Desmond is the MD of L plus R hotels um what we've got here is uh, a fund which is set up speaking very much to the themes we were talking about uh, pggm not hitherto really exposed uh, hospitality as an asset class uh, a fairly conventional um, conservative investor coming in moving up that risk curve moving into other segments um, such as hospitality because that is where they're going to get some sort of decent yield um, at the same time that not behaving like an opportunity fund this is not the 1990s this is not a uh, buy low sell high kind of environment they're not short-term holders like a typical opportunity fund um, the interesting piece I think comes out of this is what do the traditional opportunity funds do in an environment like this so if you're a blackstone if you're a starwood capital uh, where do you go um, well i think there's a couple of places they seem to be going one is into debt um, because the debt market has been slower to come back and the, there isn't the availability of debt there are challenger banks we've written about them in the past oak north and people like this um, out there um, they are um, in the market providing some debt but it's expensive and this delivers a degree of return um, which you know is attractive for opportunity funds but also uh, from um, they've restructured so they've gone and built funds which are not predicated on delivering their super high uh, high teens returns uh, slightly lower returns um, and they're able to have rather than an opportunity fund strategy they're able to go for a value add strategy but of course this is front and center where where um lro hospitality going they're a value add strategy as well they're longer term holders than um than the value add funds which were uh, likely to be where the op the opportunity more opportunity fund like people like blackstone and starwood capital have historically been but nonetheless we've got a lot of people going into this value add um, area so everybody seems to be value add at the moment um, um we haven't got the 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 bargain buys um so if you're going to seek any sort of return that that's you know in the core bits i think we talked about this last week to an extent if you're a core holder the the return there is so poor and and in actual fact it, it it's a harder bet now you've got to roll up your sleeves uh get your hands dirty get stuck in understand your sector um it's no good just doing those fixed lease deals um you've got to um, um, be prepared if you want to return anyway you've got to be prepared to, to do some legwork here and that's what we're seeing and it's it, it's going to be um, 
I think it's the established people with the networks. LRO made a uh, big song and dance about how they're established players. They have long-standing relationships in the sector, and that really is going to be brought to bear in this this marketplace. I think, uh, and of course, the Blackstones and the Starwood Capitals also have um, long-term relationships in the sector. So it's going to be an interesting period, I think, where um, it's going to get tough in that value-add space. But- We've been taking a look at what's going on across in Asia Pacific. That part of the world has been slow to get its vaccinations uh, running across its populations and therefore has uh, had to lock down and had itself much more in isolation uh, for much longer than uh, some other parts of the world, particularly uh, Europe and and, uh, the Americas. And it does look finally as though we're going to start seeing uh, a little bit of uh, an improvement in the, that part of the world and indeed some of the tourism leaders in in Asia Pacific are starting to sound a lot more positive and optimistic about uh, the, the forthcoming uh, period the next uh, next few months uh, they're expecting trade to pick up and they're also a key a key thing they're still expecting uh, travel restrictions to start easing so that uh, more international uh, tourism can can get back into these parts of the world that, that rely quite heavily on it. The UNWTO has been looking at the numbers and they are obviously keen that as as countries such as these reopen they keep more of the uh, tourism uh, receipts in, in these, these nationalities rather than them kind of uh, bleeding away into uh, uh, multinational corporations elsewhere in the world. Uh, so optimism finally spreading from uh, from uh, west to east uh, and uh, we heard quite a bit from uh, one of the uh, big players in the sector the chairman of uh, Banyan Tree who uh, certainly painted a very positive picture about his properties in Thailand and where he sees that going in terms of uh, an Im- much improved occupancies although as he notes the, uh, the, the room rates are still very much down on where he'd love them to be Yeah I, it's um, I'm a broad optimist but i think um i would struggle a bit if when i when it comes to asia i'm pretty bullish about the recovery prospects in europe and north america and even africa actually um we're going to get that because they're not going to have the restrictions but this zero covid strategy that's been employed in in parts of asia uh notably china of course um is simply now looking uh, a bad idea it was great at the early stages of the pandemic Um, they look to have been the most successful at dealing with this threat now it doesn't look so clever i think for me the sort of it was summed up by the great hamster massacre in hong kong (laughs) where they decided to to cull two and a half thousand of them um because one tested positive for covid now i I just don't understand why i mean you know hamsters are by definition pretty much locked up aren't they so i don't quite quite see where the threat was it's something that wouldn't been out of place you know under the reign of king herod i think but um it's a slightly mad um but uh, more seriously i think um the the impact on economic activity and other bits of human life you know education in particular um is is going to endure for much longer in these parts of the world where they've tried this zero covid strategy um and it's going to be so therefore in, in some ways the pain level is going to be that much higher um 
and it, it, it's looking quite difficult um and even in thailand i mean uh, thai i mean they are getting away from their zero covid strategy but they they're clinging on to it um they're still talking about opening up and so what they did when omicron turned up they had they were beginning to loosen up they had this this thailand pass thing which was all about uh, vaccine passports and stuff like this um but uh, they binned all that just before christmas um and now they're saying well we're going to restart it again next month um but it's just uh, and they've just got to accept actually we've got to live with this now it's an endemic disease and you're not going to be able to if you're going to follow a zero covid strategy or try to sort of have some semblance of that you people are just going to worry about you suddenly shutting down again and you know there's a knight frank report um from the the thai office of knight frank and they said that uh, within that that uh, tourists are still very jumpy about rebooking for thailand because they just don't know where they are and uh, you know the uh, one of the great um you know pools is phuket in thailand um the problem they've got twofold problems one is this hesitancy they're still there by uh, uh, foreign visitors about coming in when you could have this shutdown and the other thing is um, the biggest uh, source market is china um the people's republic of china and that they're not allowing people out yet um and 32 percent of visitors in 2019 in phuket were from the prc um and it, 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 if they're not going to be let out well you're down that even before you start and then you've got to persuade the 29 percent of arrivals coming from europe that actually they're not suddenly going to have their holidays cancelled on them um and that's that's not going to be easy when there are plenty of places where are looking like you're not going to be cancelled so go to north america go to the rest of europe increasingly um it's looking much more certain so i think when knight frank says actually occupancies are going to get back up to 20 to between 20 and 30 percent that's a recovery but not much of one so i'm my optimism levels for asia this year i think are pretty low um and i think asia's looking like the it's going to be the laggard in in terms of a tourism recovery now let's look at another market that's perhaps a bit more sprightly and um it's uh, spain where uh the the the, the business of, of tourism is a massive issue for for the spanish economy at large uh they've probably europe's largest inbound tourism market and uh, so they had a, a rough time with lockdowns and so on and uh, but investors are certainly looking uh, a lot more optimistic about the future for Spanish hotels and the Spanish tourism business uh, they had a very busy 2021 uh, where Colliers counted 3.2 billion euros of, of business transacted uh, and once again they are looking forward to a, a brighter 2022 there's been some uh, interesting uh, moves by by investors to get into that market because as ever there's plenty of uh, uh, capital about as we've already said um, so some kind of trick moves to to make a presence in the market meanwhile and look forward uh, our, uh, on the operational side are expecting a much more convincing summer this year uh, as, as European travel restrictions ease then uh, there should be uh, they think a good snapback in terms of uh, northern Europeans visiting and uh, and booking their holidays in Spain once more I'm sure there'll be plenty of staycation operators in the UK in Germany and in uh, in in the Baltics who'll be uh, 
wishing that not to happen but uh, we will see um but uh, plenty of positivity coming out of spain and surprisingly little distress uh, as of yet no uh well the, yeah, again um what we're seeing is a huge amount of operating distress a hu huge amount of distress by uh within operators and investors um in terms of their 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 balance sheets um, and this is where I mean, with the first item we were talking about where the LNR fund LRO hospitality is looking to exploit this they need a solution and LRO is, is part of that solution but uh, I think certainly Spain could well have a much more buoyant uh, uh, year this year and it could really surprise on the upside and you're absolutely right Chris Spain is the number one hotspot in Europe in terms of inbound tourism I mean it's uh, the on 2019 figures from the World Tourism Organization it's just a fraction under 80 billion US of tourism receipts um, it's ahead of France uh, just behind uh, the US and ahead of fourth place Thailand we've just been speaking about um, there is still a degree of pessimism um the wto's panel of tourism experts of which i'm i'm a member mm. actually um they they say um well i disagree with the consensus view but they reckon it could be well the majority of them think it's 2024 before we see a full recovery to pre-pandemic levels i think it'd be much earlier than that i think certainly next year at the latest but i think we you know we could be well on the way this year we've had a rocky start thanks to omicron but of course these markets it's the summer that matters and i think we're going to get much we're going to um, get a much stronger position as we abandon this um zero covid strategy and we we start living with the virus and i think we're going to see a quite a a sharp um upturn what we have to remember is growth economic growth is looking pretty good the international monetary fund in the last week has come out reiterating that despite omicron growth is going to be pretty good above um historic trends at 4.4 percent um you know and that's with china which has shrunk right back to almost the same level as global growth now this is a china where it'd been nearly double digit for a, for for decades and it's coming back down it had been seen you know china was seen certainly throughout the the post gfc period china was the only real engine of uh, global economic growth well um fortunately the rest of the world is now stepping up whereas china slips back and the other sort of brick countries brazil and that's um almost standing still um in the year ahead according to the imf so um but the recovery in europe the recovery in the us is is looking very good and there's a big trade fair tourism trade fair in madrid in the last week fitter um and that was um overwhelmingly very positive you had people like the palladium hotel group talking about how they're going to have higher turnover this year than they had in 2019 now part of that is because they're expanding added properties adding properties um, um, it's not just that their existing portfolio is going to be back up to where it was 2019 but nonetheless that's real optimism melia too uh, predicting that it's resort destinations they're saying actually 2019 levels of red power are going to be exceeded um this year um which is fantastic news now 
um, results are 61% of Melia's portfolio and they're not so optimistic about the city hotels um, but nonetheless um, I think you know there's there's good and there's evidence already in I mean 2021 um, premium properties in Melia's portfolio they topped 2019 rates by 15% so it's there this demand is there we haven't got a um, an absence of demand which is the typical situation when we come into a recovery period we have buoyant demand as we start this recovery period um, so I think it's going to be good news um, the slightly bad news I suppose is what you mentioned Chris about the North European staycation market so um, for Scandinavia for the UK for Germany um, if we all start heading south again it's it's not so good news um, um, for, for that staycation market and in the Telegraph this week there was a headline a very property obsessed um, as always in the UK but it said landlords in peril as holiday makers ditch staycations for Europe um, and there's a real fear that all these um, holiday let landlords that have dived into the market and have made out um, like bandits the last couple of years or at least done pretty well for the periods have been allowed to open um, it, it's a lot of that demand is just going to um, disappear now there's been a raft of cancellations um, thanks to Omicron um, my fear is that as Omicron fades and people start rebooking again they're going to say well actually I don't fancy Skegness um, I fancy the Costas this year um, it, we know it's going to be sunny down there and they're going to they're going to go there so um, this normalization I don't think is good news for everybody but uh, for the broader industry it is good news um, it's tough for you know if you're a shareholder in peloton if we're getting back to normal it's not so good and i think if you're uh, um you know the owner of a staycation property in northern europe it's possibly not going to be so good either and now we turn to our weekly awards uh five stars this week andrew i think you are awarding two well in my ongoing attempt to be kind to government um which is which i think is uh you know a tough ask i guess in in when we see how how disreputable they've been but uh, um you know perhaps they've been slightly overly beaten up about partygate anyway that's uh, uh we'll see um how that all turns out but i think they are making those the big calls are getting them right and the big call for our sector is a reopening um and they've got rid of almost all almost all of the nonsensical in my view um controls they had on travel so uh, if you're fully vaccinated now you're not going to have any form of um, uh, tests or other stuff to do um, which is fantastic news now um, uh, we the the Sangster clan were due to go on uh, um, an exotic holiday over Christmas we didn't because of um, Covid um, I caught Covid and um, 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 a number of us caught Covid in the house um, we didn't go but we were going to have to spend 500 quid on these darn tests which is just a huge extra burden not to mention all of the risk factors and the panicky are we you know one of us going to test positive and have to stay for several weeks where we were heading or not be able to go because we're whatever anyway so all of that nonsense fortunately is gone the only thing they're keeping in place is the passenger locator form um, they are still unfortunately having a little bit of a rigmarole around uh, people who are unvaccinated it 
doesn't seem to me entirely sensible to do that given that you know if you're if even if you're vaccinated you still catch it as um, <laughs> as i found out um, um so and you still pass it on as indeed i did find out with that as well so you know i'm not entirely convinced by the the, the logic of um keeping controls on unvaccinated people um i'm no anti-vaxxer but uh, it, it, you know um it, there is a certain human rights issue around this but anyway um let's not get into that but uh, um hopefully we will get beyond that as well and get to a world where all of this is now behind us um so i think for five stars for the uk government for doing that uh for getting rid of those travel restrictions um, in england now we've got rid of virtually all restrictions and uh um i think i think we're close to being leading you know the pack in terms of getting back to a normal life here which is fantastic news i think so um you've got to give you know credit where credit is due and i think it is due in terms of they've made the decision they saw off the medical um establishment for want of a better term over christmas by not shutting down at least in england um they saw that off and now they're they're um further loosening the shackles to to the point where we're almost back to normal um so five Hooray. stars for that, and I uh, i think you're awarding no stars to the participants of a rather unseemly corporate spat yeah i mean it's a sad thing to see which this is um corbyn and king and the arguments with uh, uh majority shareholder um minor the owner of um, nh hotels now minor has great experience in in the food service world they they know how to run restaurants and the link with corbyn and king an upmarket uh, uh uk um, restauranteur looked very sensible indeed i mean they have their most famous venue is the walls here of course corbyn and king were most famous for their what they did at the ivy which was a haunt of um, all the celebs I did eat there once. Have you eaten there before? The, the, the uh, posh Ivy as opposed to the Cardiff one. I, I uh, yes, the, the one in London. Yes, that's, yeah. I, believe, <laughs> I believe a PR did take yes. me there once upon a time. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's PR. Yeah, I got yeah. You know, wheeled out that. Uh, you know, yeah. um, so it's a kind of fun because it's a bit of celeb spotting, isn't it, when you go there? I mean, the food was, was all right, but it was hardly anything to write home about, I have to say. But anyway, they, they did a, um, you know, Corbin and King, no question, great restaurateurs i think less great on the business side of things there there seemed to have been the spat between them and minor about how quickly they can roll them out um you know i mean in all honesty if you're going to take the cash you have to um <laughs> you have to bend the knee really um i think and they they haven't done that um quite to the satisfaction of minor and now corbin and king operation has been put into administration which is a, a sad sight to see when things come to a, um, such a sorry state of affairs with these these corporate okay arguments. so on that note we'll say be kind and bye for now <laughs>